Hello, everybody. Thank you for chiming in with Vicki Barbados with Vicki Washington. And I have a very special dear guest and legacy, Keith Perrin, co-founder of FUBU Apparel Brand and the CEO and founder of FUBU Radio. Hi, Keith. Today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Man, what a joy. I'm like, FUBU, FUBU is needed. FUBU is needed today yeah. and for the future. You know, we're still around. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, if they want us, we're here. You know, we've been doing this a long time, so. You know, sometimes people get tired of you, get tired of seeing your face, or sometimes they get tired of seeing you being successful. So, like, you know, <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just like your grandmother as a matriarch or a grandfather, a matriarch, keeping the family together. And mm -hmm. FUBU keeps the families together. Yep, we try to do our best. Try to do our best. Yes. So if you could give my listeners and viewers a small introduction about Keith Perrin, that would be amazing. Well, um, I grew up in uh, in Queens Village, New York. Um, so, but you know, I was one of those those guys that was all over Queens. Uh, so I, I had my grandmother, my grandmothers in Hollis, Queens, and aunts in Hollis, Queens. So I. You know, I naturally was hanging around in Hollis. I I uh, met Damon and Jay and Carl in high school, um, and then we formed this company called Fubu. Uh, but prior to forming that company, I um, I was actually uh, working for HUD. Um, I got that job when I was 18, and um, actually had it for about a year and some change. And, um, you know, I love the job and, and it's just an unfortunate circumstance on how I got fired, but we, we will sit here and be here forever going through that story. But anyway, I got fired. Um, one of the young ladies, uh, she always told me I reminded her of her son and she just loved me so much and my dimples and this and that. And she said, I got somebody, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to make sure you know that you know you have a job. I want. I don't want you getting in any trouble. I want you to stay on the right path. So she connected me with a company called NHP, which which stands for National Housing Partnership, and they were the largest housing company corporation, rather, in New York at the time. Um, so I went in there, and I had this little uh, typewriter desk behind my boss's door. So every time somebody would open the door too fast, it would hit, hit the desk. And they'd be like, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, sorry. And I was like this, you know, I come from a regular desk, so I'm now I'm, you know, I'm down to this mini desk because I'm like, man, I'm gonna work my butt off so I can get that big desk out there. And, you know, and within 18 months, because um, I got there when I was about 18 and a half. So within 18 months, I went from rental assistant to office assistant to assistant manager to property manager. So when I was 20 years old, my boss called me and said, hey, I got a property 
before you called New West on 111th Street. Do you want to? Do you want to be pro- pro- excuse me, property manager? I was like, hell yeah, I want to get co-property manager. He's like, oh, you didn't sound. You, you sound like you were stuttering. Are you sure? Are you sure? So I told him, I said, if you can just work with me for a couple of months just to get me on track, I'll be fine. And he was like, okay, I like that answer. Monday you report to, you know, um, to New West and you're going to go from, I think I was making 18.5 to 33.5. So I was like, wow. So, I, you know, I went over there. I was the youngest property manager in that, in that um, company for for about six years. And then I left there. I was actually doing football at the same time. So I would be on conferences with my football clothing on or I'd be, you know, doing something with, with the job in my football. Um, but then when I went, when I got to be about 26, David kept nagging us to quit our jobs and to, you know, give this thing 100% and it was going to take off. And at the time, we were working already for like four years and we weren't making any money. So I had a child at the time. I said, okay, well, I can't just quit my job and not have any income. I need some type of income. So I figured out a way how to get fired and um, collect unemployment. <laughs> so I uh, I did that. And then I started working with FUBU full time. And then that's when it took off. We actually, you know, were able to make something of it. and. You know, fast forward, we're here 31 years later, and now, um, seven years ago, I opened up my radio station called Fubu Radio, and that's what I'm currently doing now. Yeah, wow. It's, it's, it's amazing. And how do they complement each other in your vision? Um, well, anytime you see Fubu, you know, it's always going to go back to the clothing, um, and being that I'm one of the owners, so when they say Fubu Radio, you actually see me or you come to the office, you actually see me. So it gives uh it gives the brand Fubu Radio some validity because of the uh of the uh whatchamacallit, the the clothing brand. And we've done so well with that. So um, you know, and we're able to get into doors with you know, where we might not have been able to get into. Um, and we also, um, we're also able to do certain things and get certain respect because of the brand. So, I mean, they complement each other very well, I think. Yeah, I think so. I know when you made the announcement with Fubu Radio, I was really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really excited yeah, to it, see it. Yeah, you know, and I and we were talking earlier, and I was saying that like sometimes people feel like once you have a, a successful brand that you can just do anything else, and automatically it will be, you know, received the same way. And it's not because one is a clothing brand and one is a media brand. I'm still having problems trying to get on the red carpets of some of these, even some of these black uh, TV shows, networks, and. You know, I get the door slammed in my face or, yo, you're not big enough or, you know, you don't have enough audience or enough followers and this and that. And I just go, okay, I'm going back to the drum board. I'm going to come back again, you know. So, you know, it's it's challenging, but, you know, to me it's worth it. Um, I just want to change the narrative of how we're viewed in the media and, and how we portrayed and, and, you know, 
and give people more flowers than, than gossip, you know? Indeed, indeed. For the apparel brand, how do you define its unique identity and style? Um, well, with the apparel, what we tried to do is we tried to put as much quality into the product as possible. Um, and then when we look on when we look back on it 31 years later, you see somebody come up to you with a 25-year-old hoodie on, talking about they had this since they was in their teens or in their 20s, and you're looking at it and it still looks brand new. And it just makes us smile because we it's it's what we wanted. We didn't know people would still have it that long, but we we wanted to give you something that you felt was quality. And we felt that if we provided the quality, that it would it would stand the test of time. Um we always got, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, comments and compliments on the quality of our clothing, and then we changed the the narrative where, you know, we were able to design what we wanted when we wanted. You know, I used to be like, oh man, we need to put a little hidden pocket in the jeans, and it went from just saying that to being into the jeans, the, the shorts, the sweatpants, <laughs> everywhere. Everything had a little hidden pocket. Um, when we wanted to create something on the fly, like it would be like, oh, we want to do a bubble jacket, right? How do we do a bubble jacket? Everybody does the bubble jacket this way. Aha, nobody's done a bubble jacket like a brick wall. Let's do it like a brick wall, like bricks instead of a bubble. So we were able to just do so many things that, you know, that we wanted at any given time. And, and that was the beauty of it. And then on top of that, we touched a lot of people. Um, we became more than a clothing line, we became a movement. So for me, that is the biggest, you know, that's the biggest thing for me because it's, it's more than a clothing brand. And when you're talking to people or, you know, I go to South Africa to open a store in South Africa. And while I'm in the car, with my licensee, we get a call from Nelson Mandela's people. And he's like, hey, I want to meet the guys. <laughs> I'm like, who? Nelson who? You said Mandela? Man, stop playing with me, man. You know, but it's true. It's like he called him. Well, his people called him. He had to, unfortunately, he had to fly out that night so he couldn't meet us that night. But when he got back, he called us back. and said, he's back. If you guys still want to meet, you know, sitting down with Nelson, Nelson Mandela in his house in Africa. Like, that's the biggest and best trip I've ever been on so far. So, you know, having the brand has afforded us certain things that, you know, and it's more than money. It's, it's you know, it's more of experience and opportunities to do different things, whether it's, you know, put things in, you know, making the school parks better, making the basketball courts better, you know, or uh, putting computers into to schools, HBCUs, and you know things like that. So, you know, we we've done a lot, and I always tell people, I said, listen, if I was the if I was to pass away tomorrow, you know, I've lived a great life, I've done some great things, and I'm going to leave behind one hell of a Indeed. legacy. And for the radio station, what niche or genre does it focus on, and how do you? curate content to resonate with your audience? Well, in the beginning, I had this vision. <laughs> I had this vision of keeping it old school hip hop and R&B. Now, that was cool. Um, but as I started to get into that playlist, I was like, okay, 
how do we touch the young people? You know, how do we give the young people or will the young people even listen to it if we're playing only old school? Oh, what about new artists? How can we reach the new artists? You know, we they're not going to, we're not going to play that on, on radio. So, and then I had to rethink it and I said to myself, you know what? We're going to come in, we're going to create these shows. So I created the um, Power Connect show with one of the DJs, me and my, me and my, um, my business partner Demetrius, we created the Power Connect for the artists and new for the new artists and for new songs that's being put out. Um, then we also have um, a morning show. Um, we have a midday show, morning show with Shane McRae, midday show with Chris Childs. I do the the uh, two to six show, um, Kizo's Corner, and then we got B Pays at the on the night show. So we cover all of that. Then we have K Fox on the weekends. We have um, my guy Brandon McGee, who's a politician from Connecticut, who does a little church politics at the same time. So we try to touch on everything. Um, and each each host or personality has like a different lane. So then everybody's not in the same lane. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And I just created it so that you know they could. Um, they could really be um, effective in their communities and in their areas. You know, we have three studios now. Um, I just opened up my Times Square studio, but we have a studio in New York. We have a studio in Atlanta, and then we just opened up a studio in North Carolina. So now it's about being in these central locations where we can get, you know, people in all of these places and, you know, I'm like 24, 25 interviews down already. So, you know, I'm trying to do like five or six interviews a week until the end of the year. So I'm really like going hard. So, you know, I just want to come into the new year, you know, on a, on a better note and and with a little more respect. Uh, so I have to put in the work. And like I told you earlier, you got to put in the work. I don't care who you are, how big your business is. You know, if you think you can live off another business. You may live for a little while, but it's going to fall to the wayside. So put in the work and, and, and you know, look at Yeah, very true. Very true. Entrepreneurship is often a journey filled with challenges. Could you discuss some significant hurdles you faced in building both the apparel brand and radio station? Uh, I think capital was one of the biggest obstacles because even when we were doing football, we didn't have any capital. So we couldn't, you know, we would, we didn't have the money to do what we needed to do, hire the people we needed to hire. And a lot of it fell on us. So, you know, a lot of us have four or five, six different duties just to complete in a day. You know, somebody was either folding clothes or, or, uh, dropping off orders or packing boxes or, you know, going to the fabric store and on the phone taking orders. It was, it was so many different things that we had to do at the beginning, but I think capital was the biggest obstacle for us. And once we got the capital, um, clothing line took off, but, you know, we had to keep, you know, putting a couple of dollars together and go ahead and, and, and get that, uh, you know, we called it the re-up because we would, take a couple of dollars, make a couple of dollars to go back and re up and come back. And, you know, so it was just that constant back and forth. Um, with the radio station, 
I kind of want to say it was the same thing. I think capital was the was the biggest obstacle because, you know, fortunately you have to get all these people to work with you. And then, you know, and I remember when we first started and I, I said to myself, oh, I'm going to go get this host from here and I'm going to go get this, you know, this celebrity from over here. And and they came in and it was like, yeah, I need $5,000 a month. I need interest in your company. I need this. I need that. And, and I'm like, bro, I'm building it from the ground up. Give me a break. Like, I maybe could do a couple of those things, but everybody just wanted everything. And I, I just stepped, took a step back and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this a little different. I'm going to make my personality success. I'm going to find people who really want to be, you know, personalities and hosts. And I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to work it and, and, and build them up and give them a shot. And then it just happened. It just happened like that. And I wound up getting a great group of people. We we're actually on our third team. Um, but these people have really stuck by me, supported me and, and my business partner and, and put in the work. So, you know, now we are in a position to really take this thing to the next level. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I would think capital would be the and then with the radio station, even cut you off, but with the radio station, it was, it was, I was a little hesitant because I didn't have, I didn't have a place to put the station. I didn't have the equipment for the station. I didn't have any people for the station. So I was a little reserved about even getting it off the ground. But then as I kept getting these emails from my business partner, just like, like check out this email, and check out that email, and, I, and check out these numbers. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just start. Let's just start. So I started with a small board that only recorded two people. I didn't know it just recorded two people. He told me this is the board I needed to get. So I had three people in, all, in the studio one day, and he was on the same mic. And one was talking low, and one was talking high, and they couldn't adjust it. And then I started to learn how to, you know, I started learning about radio and what it takes and how to do it. And, you know, so and then I started really liking it. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. I'm, I'm just yeah, trying to love I didn't what I do. realize. I knew that you were, um, um, you got jokes, but you're funny. <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they got me into that acting. They was like, you need to be on TV. I went right down there and got, <laughs> got me some acting gigs. Uh, you know, you know, I, used to, I was going to be a host of 106 in Park. Yeah. And Stephen Hill offered me the job, but I I, I turned it. He AJ was he was there too. So oh my I guess gosh, when you I would have had us all on the floor because you got jokes. How did you overcome these challenges, and what lessons have you learned along the way that benefit aspiring entrepreneurs? Just believe in yourself, man. You know, and that's the most important thing because you have people out here who are doubters and you know family friends it doesn't matter who it is but they can really put a pin in your bub in your balloon you know what i'm saying bust your bubble so as long as you know what you want to do and you believe in what you're doing and it's going to be successful and you're willing to put in the work just just go off of that you'll know at some point in time once you get down that road if you feel like it's working out or not, or, you know, you may need to ask a couple of questions and don't be afraid to ask questions. I know people think that they, you know, 
feel like they, some people feel like they, you know, feel dumb if they don't, if they ask too many questions. And, and you know, you can never stop learning. And I'm, I'm asking you a question. I, if I am I asking you a question, I'm asking Google a question. I'm asking somebody a question because I need to know. So, um, just, just, you know, leap out and take a leap of faith. Like a lot of people are scared to take that leap because they don't know what the unknown is. And we all don't know what the unknown is. But, you know, if you get over there, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out quick. You'll figure out better. You you will figure out um, quicker than I you agree. think you would once you are I agree. There. So The apparel industry can be quite traditional. How do you approach innovation within this space, whether it's design, production, or marketing? Um... I mean, for us, you know, we just did what we wanted to do and it resonated with people, you know, um, whether it was the fabric, they would pick up the fabric and be like, wow, this is, this hoodie is crazy heavy. I don't even need a coat. So then everybody was like, well, food, make the hoodies that you don't need a coat. Like, so we used to do things that used to turn into like, like marketing ploys. And it wasn't even like we were trying to do that. But um, I think... The fashion game is really, you know, is really fickle. You have to be on top of your design. You have to have a strong design team. You have to have a, a design team that can turn things around quickly. You have to have, you know, your finger on a pulse. Um, it's very hard to do, uh, to be successful year after year after year. It's super hard because anything can happen, you know, whether it's a, it's, oh, I want to ship my, my my um containers here rather than fly the garments here. Then you have a a storm in the Mediterranean Sea that de- delays your your shipment thirty days, and then now you missed all these cutoff points. Now you have all this product that you can't put in the stores, which can in turn put you out of business or you know hit your bottom line and hurt it a lot. So it's it's really about just being on point. Uh, people always say, oh, I want to. Get into the clothing. I'm like, listen, you better have thick skin and you better have, you know, your finger on a pulse because it, it's not one for the week. It's really not. And, you know, we survived. And, and I remember, you know, 2008, 2010, we was like, okay, fellas, let's figure out some other stuff to do. We got a couple of dollars and, you know, let's try to branch it out. And Jay went ahead and, and uh, started Force Buyers Network. I started a little modeling agency called Keith Parrot Agency, but, you know, I made a couple of dollars in the beginning until Twitter came out. And then when Twitter came out, the models felt like they didn't have to come to me. They can just go on Twitter and connect these, connect to these people, right? You know, without me being the middleman. Um, so I was kind of feeling like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it was getting a little draining because it was like, I had about 50 women that I used to, you know, manage and, or work with and it just felt like I had fifty girlfriends and they start asking me for money for rent and they 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 run it back when they do a job and all. I was like, oh my god! So I just I just cut all of that out and then I'm telling you, I sat back and I was like, all right, let me figure out my next move. Yeah. And as I was doing that, my partner Demetrius called me and was like, hey, let's do a radio station. And uh, and I'm glad he did because I love music, but I didn't want to do the whole label thing again. 
that we did in 2001. I didn't want to do that. So this was like the perfect blend of both, you know, being in control of some music, but not with dealing directly with the artists. Because it was the same thing with the artists too. Oh man, listen, let me get in advance. I got to pay my rent. So this is kind of like a little, you know, stress-free, but still, still work. And, um, but yeah, you know, this is, uh, I think for me, um, I have a challenge, you know, on my back because yeah, FUBU, the collection was successful and FUBU radio will be in that, you know, category one day, but it's just the road getting there. And I like the journey that I'm on and I like the moves that I'm making. And I like the support that I'm getting from family and friends. Yes. And, People who uh, are tuned in like yourself. Thank you. Yeah. It's always good to hear when somebody tells you how big your station is and what you, you're listening to what's going on. So I thank you for that. And um, just just keep an eye out for Food Radio. We're going to come. And how do you stay ahead in an ever evolving media landscape? And what roles does technology play in your future technologies? Well, you know. As you know, technology is big. AI is, is coming and there's it, nothing we can do about it. It's here and, and we're going to have to either adapt or get left behind. Um, the good thing about it is I partnered with a company called U42. This is a tech company and um, they've been able to help me substantially, like stay in the loop with the tech world. And, you know, and I got a couple of friends that I know. I'm actually going, it's funny you ask that because tonight I'm going to a, um, a party, a tech party. You know, it's tech week out here. So I'm going to a tech party tonight with one of my friends that he's pulling me into the metaverse world and, you know, he's like, come out, we're going to be honoring um, Mayor That's Adams great. tonight. So uh, I'll, I'll be there tonight dealing with that. But, you know, just, you know, you have to, in, in our world, we have to evolve. You know, you're talking to a person who's seen eight tracks, <laughs> tapes, CDs, <laughs> albums, you know, and now we into this streaming, you know, iPods, and now we into this whole streaming thing. It's just so, yes, facts. You know, you have to evolve. Very great point. Um, very great point. Both fashion and radio have the power to connect people and build communities. How do you actively engage with your audience and foster a sense of community around your brand and radio station? Um, we keep our ear to the streets. Um, we have friends and family who, you know, are involved in a, in a lot of things that they might come and say, Hey, you guys need to know about this. or you guys need to be here. And me, I'm, I'm a people person. So I hear a lot of stuff being out there. Um, but, um, with me, I'm actually trying to start, uh, kind of a community program where I have someone in Atlanta that knows the community, the mayor's office, and she's just tight with everybody down there. Um, and then I also have a young guy up here who deals with the elderly, deals with the kids, deals with the community, does a lot of, you know, events around Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens. So what I'm doing now is just getting them up and, and acclimated to what I'm doing so this way they can go out and be the voice for FUBU Radio. Um, I just starting a, a fashion segment also um within the next couple of weeks so that's going to be something that uh 
that I also have on the red carpets on, you know, you know, just kind of being out there because the streets and the order or the community will tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah. They, they will definitely tell you everything and they need to, you know, they, they want to know. And also they will also advise you on what they're looking for from you. You know what I'm saying? Um, and as long as that's happening, you know, you're able to make the correct moves and actually touch the people. You know, back in the days, we used to do things like, um, you know, turkey drives, hooking up with uh, different companies, giving out thousands of turkeys and, you know, and Thanksgiving with not requiring any new city. We used to do it with City Harvest. We did it with City Harvest a couple times and we did it on our own. Um, but it wasn't like we wanted any, you know, cameras there from, you know, any news organizations because it wasn't about that. It was about our people. And I remember this, this young old lady with her pretty soul. She said to me one day, she said, um, she said, why don't you guys have the cameras here? And I said, because it's, it's not about an opportunity to show them what we're doing for the community. It's more or less you guys understanding what we're doing for you guys. And, and, and that's going to mean way more to us than, you know, seeing this on the news. And she said, well, they're always around when you're doing bad. So you might as well call them when you're doing good. <laughs> so I was like, it makes sense. But you know, it's just about us. It's about you. And that's, you know, that's it. And I remember going around to different um, buildings. We went to like 40 projects, Daisy projects. We went to the train station. Um, and we just pulled up with a big old truck and was just giving out, you know, food, food for Thanksgiving. And it, and it made us feel, you know, it made us feel whole that we were able to give back in that way. And, and, you know, and when you do that, I think the community really accepts you in a way where they may not accept another brand or, you know, a brand that's just talking about it, not being about it. Yes. That's beautiful. Are there any memorable experiences or interactions that stand out to you in terms of the impact you've had on your community? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, we have stories and, and, you know, certain situations for days. It's like, you know what it is? It's when you do something, right, when you, when you build something, you don't necessarily think you're going to be successful or turn yourself into a celebrity. But what we did was so moving that it propelled us into a spotlight that I really didn't understand because you know, we go to BT, we getting out of BT, you know, getting out the limo, and they crying. So I'm like, what y'all crying for? <laughs> they yelling and crying. I'm like, what y'all crying for? <laughs> and they, my boys is like, they crying for us, bro. Like, they, you know, excited to see us. And I'm like, why? And they, we just do clothing. Like, but, you know, at the end of the day, you get recognized by your peers, you know, getting like, getting things like the Essence Award, the first company to get an Essence Award. We were, we were a company that did a lot of firsts. Um, but, you know, to get the Essence Award, um, you know, seeing Michael Jackson request our clothes and wear our clothes, and Janet Jackson, and, you know, just all these celebrities come by the office just to, just to hang out with the football guys. You know, and just have a good time. We just and, and for us, it was like we became 
And I want to thank everybody for chiming in. Wendy Rodeo with Wendy Washington. All right, Wendy. Peace. Hi, everybody. My name is Wendy, and I am the host of Wendy World Daily with Wendy Washington. Wendy World Daily with Wendy Washington is Monday through Friday for 15 minutes every morning, exploring and introducing Hollywood's most trending topics to interviewing creative influencers and celebrities. I will be living a world daily of entertainment, fashion, beauty, and lifestyle. I can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. So make sure to subscribe and be ready to download Wendy World Daily with Wendy Washington. I look forward to seeing you there.